welcome to Nora Talks Horror. I'm your host, Nora Scally. For this episode, I sat down with my longtime friend Max to discuss The Alchemist Cookbook. This movie came out in 2016 and stars Ty Hickson and Amari Cheatham. It is written and directed by Joel Petrukis. I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name. I also want to apologize for the sound quality in this episode. I've been moving around a lot and I didn't have my mics for this one. I also want to apologize for the time in between episodes. It's been a hectic few weeks. Anyways, enjoy. All right, um, I'm here with my friend Max. And what movie did you choose for us to review today, Max? We've got The Alchemist Cookbook. And why did you choose this one for us to discuss? It's, uh, uh, it seemed like a you know nice horror movie not a lot of people have seen so worthwhile discussion um i appreciated it as being kind of like a pure kind of classic horror movie where there wasn't you know there's like there's certain movies like horror genres where it's like a haunted house movie Mm -hmm. a witch movie this was a devil movie and i didn't need to like add a twist to it that much it was very just straightforward of a guy's in the woods and he's trying to summon the devil and i could respect how to the point it was. Yeah. So I I, I have a lot of question marks down on let's, my notes let's here. Go them. Let's go through them. So we open with our main character. What is his name again? I, Sean. Sean. His name it's is Sean. Two, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's Sean and Cortez are the only two actors. Yes. And the cat Cass. And, <laughs> and cat Cass and Satan. And Satan. It's a really stellar lineup. Oh, yeah. Um. At first, good I was, diversity. it was, yeah, it was pretty good diversity. <laughs> the first, it, it's this guy, he's in his trailer, and at first, I kind of thought he was making meth out there, but that might have been Breaking Bad, skewing that opinion of trailers out in the middle of no, nowhere. I mean, he's doing shady-ass chemical experiments. And it turns out, what is the purpose of that? He uh, wants to, he has an alchemist cookbook, so in the long fever tradition of alchemy he's trying to i think his goal is he wants gold right so yes, it's like alchemists alchemists back in the middle ages were trying to turn lead into gold um which was a very venerable science for a long time was it really <laughs> oh yeah no there were like court alchemists who would legitimately you know it was just basically science back then was just mixing de- deadly chemicals together and they thought maybe they could make gold but they were like you know, respected as they could be, or sometimes they'd be accused of occultism, which, which is fair. Like, which is fair. <laughs> like I think Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth, had a, a like a, a court magician named John Dee, or he was someone's court magician, but he was that was his purpose. That's like he was a member of the court, and his job was spooky shit. Am I? Is this a cursing podcast? Oh yeah, you, it's okay. explicit on all okay. the things. You can swear. You're totally fine. Um, he has. So we have this guy Sean who's like cutting up batteries, chugging Gatorade. He's chugging a lot of Gatorade. A lot of Gatorade. Um, hanging out with his cat, and then we see his friend Cortez comes to or cousin or something. Cousin, it's, yeah. Like, I don't know. I think he's family. I don't imagine that Sean has many friends. Friend. He seems very lone wolf esque. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Let's see, where were we? Um, so Cortez brings him food, and I guess Cortez forgets his pills. There's like this whole thing where Sean needs medication. We're not yeah. given like a specific of what, 
But it kind of is maybe implied of mental illness. It's something psychological. Well, he's also yeah. got his leg in a brace the whole time. He does, yeah. So it could maybe be pain. Or like, yeah, or antibiotics if he's got it. You know, it's, yeah. It's, yeah, there's that. I mean, we get the, the idea that he's been there for like months in the yeah. woods. And Cortez is the guy that brings him everything. Yeah. But also, I wasn't sure of the time period because I think he brings him like a VCR and tapes. So it made me think it was like the 80s or 90s, but I can't remember if there was like a cell phone in there or anything. Or was it supposed yeah. to be ambiguous? If yeah. If not supposed to know the... I think it was kind of... It came out the same year as It Follows, which also has that sort of like non-definite mm-hmm. timeline. Because it totally could be... It could be any... T- uh, yeah, we know that like VHS and I think yeah, he's like a tape deck. That's the most recent technology. Mm-hmm. But also there are just, you know, parts of the country where you can use a VHS and tape decks because that's... What you, you got, got. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then I was kind of wondering if they were going to do, because like with the lack of medication, if it was going to be, is he mentally unwell and he's hallucinating these things or if he's actually summoning the devil? But it, he's kind of actually summoning the devil in this. I mean, I'm sure you could interpret it if you wanted mm-hmm. as this is all psychological or in his head. Cause that, it, but I don't know. I, I personally have never known a horror movie that does the it was all just a fever dream all along and that improves the movie yeah very fair like you can still have it be an allegory about psychological you know difficulties and mental trauma and stuff but have them within the movie have the monster still be real yeah like the babadook is a movie about horror movie about grief mm-hmm. but it's still a monster Sister. yeah so. um there's some interesting lines in this. I was very conf- um he screams a lot into the woods or if he's out on the boat on a lake kind of screaming into nothing, Sean. Um the one that stuck out to me is he said, I'll give you my teeth. Yeah. <laughs> Did that come back? Did he give him his, his tooth? Yeah, he, he rips his tooth out with oh, the pliers. He does. That was And a... then he has like demon teeth the next day. Yeah. Was that like is that part of the ritual? Is that like I think it's kind of free for, I think some of the demons a lot more of an art than a science. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, let me see. Okay, so he's kind of on his own for a while. Like, Cortez comes, doesn't bring his medicine, but he has food and other things. And then there's a lot of him, it's a lot of solo screaming and hanging out with Cass. Cortez shows up. At, like, a point where Sean's really uncomfortable with him being there. Yeah, it's like when he's, like, got pretty close to actually summoning the... Or, like, he like he just did some ritual where he, like, actually mm-hmm. pledged his soul. And then Cortez shows up. I think he's, like, on the run. Yeah, he says it, like, so he got mixed up in something and he can't be wherever yeah. he was. Um, but then, okay. Then it's, like, Cortez leaves. The next day, Sean comes across his car... There's, it's total, and then that night he has a fire, and Cortez shows up as if he's been possessed yeah. by the devil. Which, that scene, I don't know, I saw, yeah, I saw that in an entirely empty theater at like an 11pm free movie night on a Saturday. Yeah. So the freshman had nothing else to do at 11 on a Saturday <laughs> night. Um, and that scene worked. <laughs> like it, Definitely. I think that was probably, that was probably my favorite scene in it, I think. It's yeah. probably the best dialogue and 
Fires are always spooky. Fires are spooky. I mean, because they do a lot of, like I said, it's a lot of him like screaming into the distance. Then you hear something like off screen. It's always like a strange monster noise, maybe. Yeah. Or... Branches breaking. Yeah. Water thumping. That was like that was like the most direct we ever get. I think that was a clever way of not having to put a big movie monster front and center. Yeah. Um. Let's see. A lot of question marks. A lot of question marks on this one. Um. Did you find the movie was funny? I did. There was like a little bit. I know it's kind of advertised as like it'll be under the genre of horror, but then like some consider it comedy. I couldn't pin it exactly, (laughs) but there was some humor, I think. I mean, there's that scene where uh, Cortez brings him the wrong type of cat food and is trying to argue about how great this cat food is. Yeah. (laughs) And he kind of talks himself into eating. He does eat cat food. He does. Another very disturbing (laughs) scene in this film. That was... That was up there. That was up there. Um, (laughs) He made you feel... I wonder... Do you think that was real cat food? I was wondering. It looked pretty realistic to me, but... It looked realistic, and the budget didn't make me think they could, like, wholly invent... Fictional cat. I don't know. I don't know. The act- if it wasn't real cat food, that actor sold it as cat food. Okay, I do have it written down here. He does rip out his tooth later, and he has the demon teeth. But he's a demon, kind of. He's like demonic looking, and yeah. then the cat goes missing. And then he's yeah, he got like kind of like tiny little horns ripping out yeah. of his skin. So it wasn't like a full possession. It was like a semi or a. Again, more very more ambiguous. Than science. <laughs> and then, so this is a, yeah. He eats the possum, which is also a really that was horrifying. That was a really gross scene. It was interesting though, like with like you know, there was so little I guess like to use, and they just utilized all of it kind of to make it gross. Like it wasn't you know horrifying the entire way through, and you weren't disturbed, but they had these brief moments of. Really, really yeah. fucked up stuff. But, um, then there's this, okay, the scene, I guess, that also made me think it was kind of about, um, mental illness was when he's going through this demonic change, he finds the pills in the bag. Yeah. Where Cortez had said they'd been earlier and he didn't find them. So I guess that for me was kind of like a, maybe it's psychological. Yeah, it was the. Yeah, at that point he like he's too far gone and he tosses those pills out because he's already mm-hmm. mostly a demon. Yeah. Um, what did you think of the acting in this? Um, I thought it was pretty good. Like, yeah. you know, the one guy, you know, Sean. Do, do you have the actors' names? I do not have the actors' names. I'll put them in at the beginning, mm-hmm. so everybody. I'll give oh, them their fair credit. <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, the actor, the character Sean, you know, has to carry the movie for most of it, and he he does a good job of being like just. He's, like, sympathetic in that, like, I don't love that he's suffering so much. Mm-hmm. But he's, like, a weird dude. He's a weird dude. And you, like, totally get what, you know, you just totally get why he's, like, doesn't have any human friends. He's, like, his, his fantasy that he talks about with his cat is, like, we'll have a mansion by ourselves and no one's allowed in there and I'll eat hot dogs all day. It's, like, yeah. this is, I don't know, yeah. So that, that was, I think, I think he sells kind of that mania yeah. that's going on. I do think... Cortez, I'm again not sure of his name at this moment. I think he was a more like he seemed more versed in acting to me than Sean did. He did, but I don't know. I think he had like more he, limited time. Also, he had limited time screen. and more personality. Like yeah, you know, you can have it's his part has a lot of like 
flow and you know funny lines and stuff that he can work with yeah sean just has to be a weirdo yeah there's like certain scenes i think where sean was kind of more dissenting into madness demon possession where i thought maybe he was like a little bit overacting a bit much where i was kind of like all right yeah i get what you're going for but it's a little the corny to me there's oh yeah, it's always the problem with horror movies, right? Of like it's scary it's at the beginning and you don't see it, and then once it happens, mm-hmm. it has to live up to the hype that's been building this entire movie. So at the end, yeah. the big thing that happens is that yeah, he has like these demon teeth protruding out of his mouth, but he doesn't really seem evil. He still wants to just look for his cat. So yeah. it's a sequence of him like half mutated looking for his cat, and that kind of drags. It does. It was a bit long. It was a little bit long. Um, let's see. But um, I will say that the my favorite shot in the movie, I think, is when he can see the devil like in that field, mm-hmm. and it just slowly stands up, and there's like no sound. Yeah, that also is impressive. I I need to, I'm gonna look up the budget when I'm done with this. Oh, <laughs> there's a dog. It's fine. There's some dogs. <laughs> oh, I left the door open. All right, we are back after a brief dog interruption. It happens. Um, what were we talking about? The scene? The Yeah, the devil standing up in the... There's a lot of... Like, those were the best horror moments when it was something mm-hmm. so... You know, there's not... Like, like, it wasn't actually hiding. It's not like the devil was hidden. I mean, sorry, it was just far away. Yeah. Which I think is a very kind of primal, terrifying thing if something is far but can come close. It's not like yeah. hidden behind a shadow where it can get you immediately yeah he can clearly see it and he's aware that it, this thing could easily approach him and but there's like this strange right daylight yeah that those ones were great when it's just and we looked up the actor ty hickson playing sean yes <laughs> when it's just ty hickson uh having to sell it by himself i mean he was it was good again he has very little to work with. yeah it was probably a guy breaking sticks right off camera. As probably, <laughs> probably, they probably did hire just stick breaker might be in the credits. But I did think that um, the the daylight scene, like daylight horror, if it can be utilized properly, it's definitely effective. Yeah. And now the ending of this, a little ambiguous, also, right? Well, I don't know, ambiguous. I mean. So it ends where he's a demon man. He puts a bunch of stones in his bag to try and white wades into the water, kind of to drown himself. Yeah. But then he comes out of the water and his horns up and demon stuff. Face is gone, yeah. Which is like kind of some, yeah, some kind of baptism. Yeah, I wrote but, baptism here. <laughs> but then you hear you know footsteps and he looks up and screams. So that's presumably the devil is just gonna kill him for trying to breaking the pact or something. Yeah. Again, it's like it's kind of where I'm like, this is a such a straightforward narrative that doesn't try to doesn't like have any nuanced view of mm-hmm. the devil it's not like trying to shift our perspective on anything it's like the, this is the devil. devil he's evil if you make a pact with him bad things happen yeah and so if it like broke from that or had any other kind of ending that would sort of feel almost non-congruous with the rest of the movie yeah like i could appreciate how it's just like yep this is it's like a morality play from the <laughs> like yeah if you talk to the devil he'll stalk you down and, and kill you yeah <laughs> Um, I did, I, I liked this movie. I didn't love it. I guess, like, I went into it knowing nothing because I don't, it was not widely released or anything. No. If you had to, like, rate it, what would you rate this movie? If you had to give it. Um, like, three stars out of five feels 
a little harsh. Again, because I'm sympathetic to all the, yeah. you know, uh, how, you know, small of a budget and production it was. But maybe right about there. Yeah. I might, I might go with the two and a half. I didn't... I wasn't mad that I watched it. And it's short, so it's not... If it's not up your alley, like, you're not wasting a whole lot of your time watching it. It's not like if you hate Hereditary or Midsummer, you contribute a lot of time to watching <laughs> yeah. those movies and disliking them. But, um, yeah, I would, I would recommend it, I think. And it's like, it's a movie I think that you watch by yourself late at night. Yeah, that, that's exactly what I did. If you watch it with a lot of people, you're going to be making jokes probably and yeah. kill the effect. I do, yeah. You should watch it alone and kind of take it in for yourself, I think, and let yourself kind of figure it out. It's definitely, it's slow at first, but it picks up kind of fast. But it doesn't pick up in like a, oh, there's all these action scenes and horror things. It's kind of like these subtle builds and you kind of just see him descend into demonic possession. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's about three scenes of dialogue yeah. Right. So just any movie that has three scenes of dialogue, you kind of, if you know that going in, if that's a movie that you'd hate for any yeah. genre. It can be frustrating at times. It can times. be frustrating. I, yeah. Um, again, I think though, I do like that it's a different perspective on like a demonic horror movie because I think those can be very overdone and put in a very simple way of a girl possessed. We got to get the exorcist out here. Like that's a whole... Yeah. Thing now. And I think this was a very original thing. Um, you often do not see an all black cast do this sort of thing, which was really awesome. I like that. Like, I liked definitely a lot of parts of this. I think, again, maybe the dialogue not being there I found a little frustrating, and maybe not as many straightforward horror scenes, but the ones that were there were very strong. It kind of felt like a Lovecraft story. It so, did, yeah. So you write some things about, you know, mostly about Cthulhu, but you also write about, like, witchcraft and the devil or being yeah. tied in. So, yeah, just of, like, one crazy man getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that the whole atmosphere, you know, it's, it was filmed in, you know, super rural Michigan. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. All the skinny... Tricky trees and things. Yeah. It, I did like the setting. I did like it being out in the woods, that sort of thing. Um, I wish Cortez had had a bigger role in it, but I guess I don't really know how he would have been utilized. Because I did, I did like um, the actor who yeah. played him, and he, he was a lot of the comedic relief in it. So. Yeah. I mean, one thing I, I noticed the second time watching it with um, Ty Hickson's performance as John is like, he has kind of just a lot of awkward physicality that I thought sold the role. Like, okay. you know, just when he's, like, chopping down the tree and he's kind of holding the axe funny and he's mm-hmm. always balancing. Or, like, he's sort of walking, like, he tries to, like, balance on a broken tree and he's, you can tell he's not very good. At it. It, it sold, it's like, this guy doesn't super know what he's doing out here. Yeah. Like, he has this idea, he got this book, he knows that he has to be out in the woods, but he's not super accustomed to living in the woods. Mm-hmm. He's constantly eating, yeah, Doritos and Gatorade. You you know, it just yeah, he's got this very kind of look like amateur look about him in the woods. Maybe that's just because the actor hasn't spent a lot of time but in the woods. Also very true. But that to me kind of helped sell this kind of like you just you know from the like it wasn't like here's an experienced woodsman who's gonna work this out with the devil. It's like oh this guy doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Yeah, 
I did like, yeah. I'm, do you know what the budget was on this by chance? We can. I'm gonna make a guess. Up. What is your guess before we? I'd say find the answer. Uh, under. Under eighty thousand. I would agree with that. I'm gonna go with. Forty-five million. Let's see. Let's see. I'm gonna guess maybe thirty to sixty k in that range. Okay, budget. Man, it's not. No, it doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Oh no, that's what I also I looked it up and I was like, well, no, mm-hmm. <laughs> that helps a lot when you're looking up things. Um, well, this might just be a mystery that we get to um, enjoy. Yeah. If anybody knows the budget of the Alchemist Cookbook, <laughs> please please message me because I am actually very very curious about it. Um, so Max, let's like talk a little bit about you and your perspective on horror movies, so the audience, I guess, can get a better feel of what what would you say are your favorite horror films? You um, could name a few. Okay, favorite horror movies, which is things that I should definitely prepared for this very obvious question. <laughs> um, favorite horror movies? The Conjuring comes to mind, just as what I said earlier, of it's that super just straightforward mm-hmm. horror movie. It's like it's a haunted house movie. There's a house, there's a ghost it's in the house. Doesn't need to play too many games. It's like like that to me is where you know it's the the appeal of the movie is just directly in the scares. Of the yeah. movie, like, like there's no, there's nothing extra that like can just that's meant to distract or add on. It can just play it completely straight and have an effective movie. That to me is kind of that's an easy sign of a good horror movie. Um, I feel like the last couple years have been good ones. I've really enjoyed the Babadook and It Follows. There was that like 2016 yeah. huge glut of horror movies that I thought all came out pretty good. Yeah. Um, Campy, I don't know, campy horror movies are fun, but get old quickly. Yeah. Um, do you have any least favorites, anything that just stuck out to you of being like, wow, they, they, they wrote this and they made this, this was released? Um, the last movie that I just turned off, not because I was bored, but because like I actively disliked it, was... Uh, the Terrifier Netflix movie. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that one. I'm not a fan of that. Just because, like, there's... So much gratuitous violence on women. Yeah, it's like, when it's exploitative violence, there's a difference between, you know, doing that for the sake of creating a chilling atmosphere and just, when it's very clearly just because we know that, like, having boobs and, yeah, naked women getting horribly gutted will, like, attract... I don't know, there's something where it's not adding anything and you, then you just feel guilty for watching it exactly I felt it was like smut it was like it was yeah essentially that like you know like Hannibal Lecter cutting people open it's like oh this is terrible and disturbing and gross and probably also not you know entirely innocent of this phenomenon what we're describing but yeah. like you can get a sense that this there's a movie under here yeah a little there, the thing with Terrifier is I felt there was no plot there was no plot. It was like... Actual... Let's just force these women in here so that this clown can kill them. Yeah. And there was... So yeah, like that... Any... Yeah, so really, my taste for like exploitative horror movies has dropped yeah. a lot since like high school. I, I can agree with that. I think we're just at a point where 
do we need this? You know, like... Because there was a time that was, you know, your average 15-year-old's number one way to see boobs was to go to a low-budget horror movie. Oh, yeah. No, (laughs) exactly. But I think at this point... I do think, though, to speak well of Terrifier, um, the clown is cool, the makeup is cool, and I think that actor put everything into it. Um, Maybe. Maybe. Um... I think the, the makeup on the clown was good. That was the one thing. I right. could, I, I'll take away the costume and the makeup of the clown. It was really, really well done. <laughs> All right. Well, give him that. Um, any horror movies you've seen recently that you think value discussing a little bit? Um, well, we just saw um, Scary Stories to See in the Dark. Yeah. Which was certainly okay. okay. <laughs> it the... existed. They made a movie. Yeah. Oh, God. Um... I don't know, yeah, I think, I don't know, the odd horror comedy that works well mm-hmm. usually has the longest staying power for me. Yeah. Like, it's just a very scary movie. Even if I really enjoy it, I won't rewatch it that often. Yeah. Or, like, a classic horror movie is like, all right, like, I've seen Rosemary's Baby once. You've seen it. You, I've seen it. It doesn't really need to be analyzed it further. Was there, do you know that was Wes Anderson's favorite movie? Or is, it's present tense, Wes Anderson is alive? <laughs> uh, I did not know that. If you watch Rosemary's Baby knowing that Wes Anderson has taken a tremendous amount of influence from it, you will recognize several entire character outfits and designs oh, really? that he just directly copy-pasted in his life. Like, Gwyneth Paltrow in The Royal Tenenbaums. A great movie. Great movie. <laughs> She's just wearing Mia Farrow's outfits. Really? Yeah, the I'm short I'm going to need to rewatch it just for that. That's literally what I did. Really? Yeah, you like looked like, it up, you're like, oh, I'm going to rewatch that, this well, that, 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 that was the reason I watched it for the first time. It's like, yeah, yeah, you just, you know, it's like the fancy 1960s apartment in New York, and it's just all the decor, mm-hmm. all the style. Also, everyone's weird kind of stilted dialogue at times is just straight from that, which is hilarious in a yeah. way. Also, um, on the note of Rosemary's Baby, um, not a fan of Roman Polanski. Just no. want to make that known. No, 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 no. Yeah. Other than that, Rosemary's Baby is a decent film. Um, when did that, that it came out? Before? I thought it was the 60s, right? It was the 60s, so I don't know if it was like pre or post Psycho, which I kind of like, that's a big determining factor with me where you see like horror get kind of ramped up after Psycho with like. Texas like Chainsaw Massacre and stuff, yeah. Yeah, Halloween. So maybe maybe it was pre-Psycho. Yeah, I think it might have been. Yeah, I don't know the dates of these yeah. things. I might look up later, okay. but um, Midsummer, did you see it? Saw Midsummer. I went in expecting Hereditary, which tainted my ability to yeah, purely that's exactly. enjoy Midsummer. It was a good movie. Um, it just wasn't. It's, I don't want to say it's more of a thriller kind of... I don't know. Um, I've seen other people describe it as horror-adjacent, and I think that's a fair... Yeah. Summer. There are definitely some horrifying scenes, but I think, you know, Ari Aster, he set the bar so high with Tony Collette and Hereditary cutting off her own head. It's How are you going to match that? You know? I mean, uh, yeah. Midsummer. Oh, have you seen um, The Wicker Man? Yes. Either version. Yeah, I've seen um, both, and one is a lot better than the other. One is a lot better than the other. One has a very young Christopher Lee, which is always a treat. Uh, The other one has a very middle-aged Nicolas Cage. It has a very (laughs) middle-aged Nicolas Cage. I don't know. For me, also part of the trouble with Midsummer was that it's like, we know as the audience this is going to go wrong, and these Swedes can't be trusted. 
just yeah. from the get-go, right? You know, just from one trailer or from very early on. And then the characters kind of never seem to catch on. Yeah. And then it just sort of feels, again, it just sort of was like hitting the beats. Which mm-hmm. again, maybe, you know, you could say it's like a very classic kind of, I don't know what subgenre that is of you go to a weird cult society and get killed off and sacrificed. I guess it's kind of like a... It's like a slasher in a sense. I've seen like comparisons to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which I can see where, you know, these kids are around the middle of nowhere, Texas, and they're around this really weird family, and they, their friends keep disappearing, and they're like, did they go back to the car? Like, it's kind of like that, where the, it's like the ignorant teens or young adults, I guess. Yeah. The sense of invincibility that comes when you're... 20, I guess. But, yeah, I don't know. It just... Well, because it's like, you know, dramatic irony can last you so long. And also, yeah. it was brand new when, you know, Halloween and Texas Chainsaw Massacre was doing it. Of like, yeah, why would they? But now it's like, you'd think... In, in this day and age... <laughs> your friends are just going missing at no point is anyone... Or like it... In the middle of nowhere, countryside in Sweden where you know one dude, you know? Yeah, and like, even if there's a good in-story excuse for why they don't question things... Then just like on a but just on a story level, it's not interesting to see none of them put up a fight or like try to escape or become suspicious. Yeah. Like that, that sense of paranoia kind of I don't know, didn't feel as realized because no one was like, don't trust the thing that like they were still like the last two of them were alive were still just taking drug drugs. drinks from the Swedes all the time. It's like you Alright. Alright, I mean fun, fun music festival things, but Yeah. I think I still liked it, but it's no hereditary. Well, that's, yeah, it's a high bar. Any any movies coming out that you're, like, looking forward to? The Lighthouse. Yes, we discussed this. Um, looks awesome. Yeah, some, yeah, there's, like, that scene, the frame from the trailer where, like, just, you know, masses of tentacles and squids, like, squirming on top of each other. And Robert Pattinson has, like, a little stone fetish of, you know, some sea god yeah so i'm hoping for some lovecraftian crazy shit i feel like lovecraft stuff has gotten kind of bigger lately almost like you're seeing a bit more of it nicholas cage is coming out with uh the color out of outer space is he really yeah hp lovecraft story i did see nicholas cage in mandy which i thought was a very redeeming movie for him i haven't seen mandy but i've only heard surprisingly good things. I, I went into it like a little skeptical going, okay, Nick Cage, like there's a cult kind of thing going on, like he's going to get really into it. But I think he tapped into something that wasn't so Nicolas Cage for that role. Did you ever see Drive Angry? No. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> That's a movie where um, Nicolas Cage is a very angry, you know, guy who's really into cars and killing people. Uh he was killed, his daughter was killed, and his granddaughter, who's a baby, was kidnapped by this satanic cult to be sacrificed. So he escapes from hell and is just in a bunch of muscle cars and just is fighting a cult. Was, was this not the plot of Ghost Rider? Yeah. <laughs> Another great Nicolas Cage feature? It's a little different. <laughs> um, well, yeah. That kind of, we went off topic, but that was good off topic. Um... It took us back to the devil and yeah, hell and stuff. Yeah, circle back to hell always. Oh, the, uh, going back to the lighthouse, I'm pretty sure the same person that did the lighthouse did the witch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eggers. Yeah. Yeah, but... He likes the period pieces and the... I mean, New England. Yeah, big New England guy, apparently. Oh, that was, uh... <laughs> also, Lovecraft was a big New England guy. 
Was oh yeah, he's Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. And his stories are always great when it's like. I traveled for weeks and months across desolate forested areas. It's like, yeah, you're going from Providence, Rhode Island to Boston. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, speaking of what, did we, did you ever watch the Lovecraft kind of interpretation, The Void? I did. I think I was really sleepy when I watched it. It didn't make a huge, it was like, yeah, it was yeah. very kind of, I don't know, it got kind of convoluted at one point. But I had a good beginning that I was awake for. There's so much good stuff that comes out of Lovecraft, but also he was a terrible person. He was a racist. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah. He, uh, also his writing just isn't that good. It's not phenomenal. Phenomenal. I think his idea of the story is a lot better than how he maybe forms it all together in writing. He was an ideas guy before. Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, this has been us talking about many things, but mostly the Alchemist Cookbook, which is available on Hulu to stream, I believe, and probably yeah. other places, but that's where I watched it. So mm-hmm. anything you want to say before we go, Max? Um, like... it's, uh, it's been a pleasure. Yeah. Thank All you right. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Nora Scally for updates on the podcast.